from Australia, broadcasting around the world. Around the world. You're listening to the Mitch Maroney Show. Here's your host, Mitch Maroney. So, from a sales point of view, what else? Say you got a business looking to prepare for to sell 12, 18 months. What yep. advice would you give them? Yeah, for sure. So, um, obviously, think your accounts the most important part when selling the business. So people fall in love with the business. They're like, oh, this is what I've always wanted to do. It's my dream business, yada, yada. It's very rare to get a cash buyer who can afford the business solely in cash. Therefore, they're going to have to get finance of some sorts. Now, vendor finance recently has been quite popular because the banks have tightened their lending and and we can talk about that a bit later if you want and all the pros and cons of that. But if you're going to a bank, the bank are not investors in the business with you. So they're not going to fall in love with the business. They are providing you money to purchase a business and they see that as a financial transaction. So your accounts are the most important thing accurate stock levels, make sure all the staff are on correct employment contracts. Also, if possible, and it's not always possible, but make sure you know that all their leave and their sick leave or whatever you've got is all reasonable. Like I jokingly said, you know, old Joe, who's got 30 years of annual leave crewed up, try and get those things tidied and nice. Presentation, just like if you're selling your home, try and have the thing organized, understand where things are, because you're going to have to walk people around that business, show them around that business. And then it's just normal, common sense things like, um, hey, have your stock levels right, customers right, have your um, debtors in order, creditors in order, just common business sense. But Accounts are really, really important. Yes. Yeah, I agree. And I suppose if you did everything best practice, just in general, assuming you're not selling selling the business, it would tick those columns. So yep. best practice, keep the accounts right. Make sure your employees are on good employment contracts. Make sure your stock is what the stock actually is and you're mm-hmm. tracking it so you know what's actually in there. All of which are best practice stuff anyway, which in theory you should do. And if you've got all those facilities in place, like you said, when you come to sell it, it's going to be so much easier and you'll be able to just provide the information. The buyer asks what the stock is, you can send a stock list and not just a, a, correct me if I'm wrong, I would assume this would be the case. We've got 50 grand of stock. I, as a buyer, would go, okay, well, what is it? You know, yeah, yeah, you've got stock of 50 grand, but what is 50 grand of stock? If you can provide- Is it current stock niche? Yeah. Or is it stock that just sat on the shelves for the last 30 years so there's no value at all to it? That, exactly. that sort of stuff. Exactly. You know, if you can provide me a report of spreadsheet or whatever that has a detailed, you know, we've got, I don't know, 100 pens at this much is this and laptops at this is this, et cetera, that provides way more assurity of what stock is because you can go, okay, well, th- like it's fully broken down. You know exactly how much you've got. You know the price on all of them as well. It's just not just yep. a nice round figure that they've just thrown at you. And, and once again, it gives me comfort that you know how to run your business. Yes. So that I'm buying something that's being well run. And yeah. another thing that you've got to, that's really important is good dialogue with your landlord. 
Because if you're selling, if you're thinking of selling your business or in the process of selling the business and you've got a good dialogue with your landlord so they're aware that you're looking at exiting, to understand the landlord's point of view, are they happy just to assign the lease to the new tenant? Will there be a new lease required? Because in many cases, the buyer will ask for a rent reduction. Without doubt, they'll go, oh, rent's too high. And if you blindside your landlord, those things can just slow down and become just a terrible churn of I'm not moving, I'm moving, that sort of thing. So just with most things in life, just open dialogue and explain openly what you're planning on doing. Yeah, exactly. And to all participants, directly or indirectly, obviously the buyer and the seller need to have the dialogue. But yeah, like you said, the commercial leaseholder, they'll be involved potentially suppliers and that side of things. They'll need to be involved. And then on the assumption it does go through, sale transitions over, the customers which this new buyer has purchased, they will need to be involved. They will need to get comfortable with the person. Obviously, depending on what industry it is, some of them than others. I would assume, say, retail, for example, depending on what it is, you can have a close relationship with the retail outlet. But if it's quite a transient one, you wouldn't have super mm-hmm. close with everybody. But for argument's sake, you're buying an accounting firm. You know, our clients trust us personally. So my clients trust Mitchell Maroney. They yep. don't instinctively trust Joe Blow that has just bought it. So to be able to retain those clients, the Joe Blow that's got to have bought it, and generally there'll be retention clauses yep. and that side of things. But they have to go out, they have to be able to show their worth and sell themselves to the client because it is a free market. So if I did sell to Joe Blow and, for example, Mark's a client and Mark doesn't like Joe Blow, you're just going to go elsewhere. Like, there's nothing holding you to me except for like our personal relationship and rapport. So that's a big thing, I think, from a once it has settled, because there is a lot going on. Anybody that has bought a business, it's a, it's yep. a fun time. <laughs> yeah. <But laughs> those sorts of things you can't neglect because if you do, you've suddenly lost half your client base because they don't know you, they don't like you, they whatever, you know. And if you're proactive and talking to them, going out, see them, whatever, depending on the industry, then that will mean the amount you've paid, you'll actually keep in theory. Yeah. And that's what you want. If you're dropping, like you said, 250000 you want 250000 of worth. You don't want to pay 250000 and then it's worth one hundred and twenty-five. Correct. And, and the thing is also because people are emotional by nature and, and, you know, and want to feel belonged and loved and all of that sort of stuff, we have actual emails that we provide as part of when we work with a, a seller of how to tell the staff that you're thinking of selling your business, how to tell your customers that you're thinking of selling. Because, um, well, take for you, say I purchased your accounting firm, Mitch, and, and you hadn't told your staff and I've come then come waltzing in and, and they don't like me and I have people leave, etc. That's also detrimental because the whole flow of how the business works now collapses. So you've got to be mindful of people's feelings and we go to a lot of effort to help sellers position their business for sale. Yeah, and I think that's an area, I'm going to crap on accountants for a second, <laughs> <laughs> that a lot of accountants and advisors in that respect, not so much the sales because obviously you guys do deal with that, but a lot of accountants I've found, we're very analytical and mm-hmm. we go, well, the numbers say this. Yes, they do. And that's a massive portion of it. But 
there is an emotional side. If you're going to pull your life savings into something, the numbers will say one thing, but there's this whole other area you have to consider as well. And I know a lot of accountants do sort of struggle a little bit with that because they want to just stay in the account side. Yeah. But the reality is it is a, a marriage between the two. So mm. you know, the accounts have to say that it's viable and it's good and the client has to be invested and love the business to do it. Otherwise, yeah, the accounts look good, but the purchaser hates it and it goes to shit mm. or they want to do it, they go do it, and the accounts are shit and it goes under. So it needs to be a balance of the two. It's really interesting as well because I've spoken to people who are real estate agents, friends of mine, et cetera, and, and we share a few war stories and you know things like that. And selling a business, in a lot, unless it's the family home for the last 60 years, but selling a business is normally more emotional than selling the home because they're so attached and they put so much effort into creating that business that they in many ways don't see it as numbers, dollars and cents. They see it as an extension of themselves. They put their own personality into it, their love, their brand, everything like that. So I've had so many people, sellers crying before they list because, and it may not just because the business is struggling and it may be time to exit or whatever or health or whatever, but they're so emotional about the selling process. And then when we've sold the business, obviously they're happy that the business is sold and they've got their money, but there's a real sense of loss as well. So yeah, it's a very emotional transaction. It is on that side of things. I actually was talking to a friend the other day about it and not just about that, but in valuing businesses. And we were actually discussing when to pull the pin. So the negative side of it. But I suppose it it would come into the similar argument with the selling of the business. How do you find people react when you tell them how much it's actually worth? Because everybody's going to think it's worth more. And my argument was it's when you tell somebody that their business isn't worth anything and they're going to have to go under and they've been doing it 10 years, it's like telling their firstborn kids ugly. So... Mm. It, it's yeah. a rough conversation to have. You've got to have it, but how do you find it, uh, obviously, on the sales side of things? Because I assume it would be normal that people would think their business is worth significantly more than it really is. What's interesting on that is the ones that are going really, really well, generally, they undervalue their business, especially trades and like painting or suppliers or things like that. The ones that are really run well, when I tell them what I think I would market their business at, are surprised and they were, oh, I didn't think it was worth that much. And that's mainly because they're so entrenched in the business and they're working and growing it, etc. They go, oh, we've actually created quite a bit of value here. The ones that are doing the job of providing the owner with some income. And it's amazing the amount of times that the business generates exactly the amount of income the owner needs. So that there doesn't seem to be a growth factor there. And if they are a little bit distressed or they're looking at exiting, they usually internally have done their maths on what they need to get out of it. And then that's where there's usually the gap. Like someone thinks, gosh, if I could get 500000 for this business, I could pay this off, do that, walk away and start again. And then they almost convince themselves in, well, that's what I want for the business because that's what I need to move on. And then that's where you get the mismatch of. Yeah, that's and the way worth 150 and they're saying half a mil. And, it- yeah. and we usually go on, um, in there we do 
we have to be mindful that someone's probably put the last 10 years of their life into there. So we like to explain quite transparently what other similar businesses have recently sold for, what businesses in that sort of industry, what sort of multiplier you can expect. And ultimately, we work for the, the seller, right? Yeah. So I could put any, I could put a price on for whatever you want for the business, right? But eventually, we've got to sell it. So I would say that we get interest at this price and that holds up because other businesses have sold for about this. Yours is a bit better here, struggles a little bit there. I think that's a fair price. And then I leave it with them and I just, I don't do the hard sell there because people have to then do all their own calculations and all their own what-if scenarios and, and then loop back and go, okay, we can advertise it for this much. Yes, yeah, and that makes complete sense. It's interesting though, actually hearing you say that the businesses that are doing well really undervalue themselves because I have had a couple of clients of which are now mutual clients with yourself mm-hmm. that they have been running a practice for many years. They've got staff. It's a solid practice. They've got some holes in their side of things, but you know, all in all, it's a solid practice. And they wanted out, and they literally just said, "Well, I might just shut the doors and and yeah. go get a job." And I said, "Well, obviously, I mean, you could do that. I wouldn't recommend it, but you could." And then I said, look, get in touch with Mark. I think they're actually going through Tony. Yes, correct. Yep. One of our other brokers. Yeah. To discuss the situation and through discussions with you guys, the determined prices, to my knowledge, over 200000 it was listed mm-hmm. for. And on that assumption, even if, let's say, it, I doubt it would get knocked down this far, but even if it got knocked down 50 and it went for 150, the client is 150,000 better off than they originally were thinking because they yeah. were going to shut the door. So that's also something to consider is a lot of businesses do think, yeah, well, this pays my wage, it does all this. And as they grow and then they don't see the inherent value in what they've created and you can sell that. You know, obviously some industries are easier than others, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But if you've got a trading business, Mitch, there's value. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And I would assume, you know, you've been trading for, say, 10 years. It's a common known brand. You know, all these things build that good. Mm. So yeah. if you can get something for it, why not do it? Uh, and It's interesting you say that as well because a lot, of, a lot of people think it is worthless and they would just close the business down. But as long as it, I mean, some businesses require such level of, internal knowledge or qualifications or or that that it makes it difficult because there's not a wide audience. But if you had a a business where you were just, I don't know, handyman maintenance or something like that, you know, website presence, vans, some tools, those sorts of things, there is value for that. Relatively unskilled as in you don't need a a qualification or degree, you just need a bit of insurance. Yeah. Hop out there, you'd be able to sell that type of business quite quite easily. Exactly. Whereas if you're doing... I don't know, astrophysics, whatever. It's a pretty small pool of how many people could do that. Yeah. Uh, I'd actually call up the potential buyers individually. Exactly, exactly. You could just Google them and it would be, there's five. That's right. You've been listening to The Mitch Maroney Show. Mitch Maroney Show. Stay tuned for more.